It's the Bob McCown Podcast brought to you by BetRivers. Download the BetRivers online casino and sportsbook app today with Judge Shannon. Hello. Hello, Robert. How are you? What do you think? What would you make of the Riley suspension? Well, lower than I was hoping, but about what I thought it would be. It was five you, games, right? You, yeah, five. You wanted more? I wanted ten. You did? Yeah. Boy, you're a, you're, a, you're the hanging judge. Well, I think it was a, a really, really cheap shot, as cheap <laughs> as you can get. There's right? No question. It wasn't yep. motivated by anything on the ice. He wasn't mad about anything. Well, no, he was mad. He was embarrassed with he was he was embarrassed what the kid did. So what? Uh, you're a grown up. Oh no, Bob. I, I'm just telling you, I agree with you completely. This is one where I we always laugh about hockey players thinking they're tough and got thick skin. But then something like this happens, and and they go it across the, the line. It makes no sense. Shot I ever saw. I yeah. think. Yeah, it I was. It was not good. Yeah. So it, it I, was, you, it was you not hope good. that the suspension uh, motivates other players to be better in the future. I'm not sure it does. Well, it motivated you know, Bobby McMahon last night. What would the difference be between a five-game and a ten-game suspension? How much would uh, the other players react differently? I, I, I don't know. It's a good question. That's a good question. The the other the, the biggest impact would have been the amount of money that Riley would have had to forfeit. I think it'd be like close to a quarter of a million extra dollars. So well, so what? He's making you know eight million or whatever it is. Yeah. I have no sympathy yeah. for that. All right. Okay. We got a little, um, I, we got a little treat today. An old that? friend. Scotty Bowman's coming on. Scotty oh, Bowman's great. coming. One of our favorite people. Yeah, absolutely. So we, sure we'll we'll talk about stories. and and here's the magic of Scotty is that uh, you know he's not involved with the game anymore, but he's as involved in following the game as ever. He can talk about the '50s, '60s, and even what's going on today. Probably watched Connor McDavid last night. If yep. if I have a bet, so we'll talk to Scotty Bowman, Bob and John on the podcast after this. Hi, this is Bob McCowan for BetRivers.com. Hey, if you're looking for a sports book or casino app, you should check out the Bet Rivers Sports and Casino app today. Play all of your favorite casino games for real money anywhere and anytime. Plus, get in the action with each sports game with hundreds of sports betting options. And get ready to feel like a VIP because you'll earn both loyalty level points and bonus store points on every real money wager you make. You must be 19 plus, available in Ontario only. Please play responsibly. If you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you, contact Connex Ontario at 1-866-531-2600 or speak to an advisor free of charge. BetRivers.com. Welcome back to the podcast. John Shannon, Bob McCowan, joined by the legend. William Scott Bowman, uh, probably from the palatial estate in Florida, en enjoying that enjoying that lovely winter weather well, in Florida, right, Scotty? El Nino. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm glad I'm a resident for the winter time because the people that come down in January, it's been not it's a not sunny state. It's cloudy, <laughs> but we can't complain. It's 63, and they complain. 
Well, but you're still wearing your shorts, aren't you? Come on, I'll be honest. Oh yeah, all the time, and uh, <laughs> but you have to get a jacket. But when that wind comes from your place, the north, that's when we don't like it. Hey, listen, hold on. If it comes from my place, it, dry, it goes right through your other place, Scotty. You know, I mean, I've, you know, I'm going yeah. to Buffalo next week, and I'll be see. I'll, I'll go check out the neighborhood. All right. Yeah, yeah it's no, it's no yeah, snow I'm, here, Scotty. No snow in Toronto or Mississauga. Well, There's lots golf, in New York, though. They played golf in Buffalo last week, three days in a row. With, uh, I mean, they, they with no carts, of course, but they, the pins were even the greens. They could go on the greens. I, I don't think the ground's frozen. It probably it isn't. Is. Nope. Well, it, it's uh, it's been the mildest winter I can recall yeah. in the yeah. time I've lived in Ontario, which started in 1993. Yeah. But no, never mind about that. Um, okay. Yeah. You, you, I know you. You were up late. That uh, that six. Connor McDavid's okay, isn't he? Six six assists now. Was that, was that tying a Gretzky record or not? Was it her? I think they no, said I think that. Wayne had se- Wayne had seven. I think I did. Okay. Wayne Wayne had an eight point. I did a game with Wayne. He did one and seven. I think. Yeah, yeah. It was. Boy, yeah, boy. He, he just. You he see, I, have you ever seen anybody that like has that acceleration? Honestly, the only one I remember. Well, not I, the ones to me were like Bobby Orr. Bobby Orr could take off and and not catch him, and uh, maybe Coffee Paul Coffee, like yeah. he he was he had a long stride though Paul, but I mean when he was I mean he could take off pretty quick, but not I mean I think his stride was longer, and and uh, McDavid he's got so strong legs that uh, John that he can he, he like it's like a machine, you know it's like he's looked like a train that you know how those trains when you see them the engine moving and i mean and he of course these crossovers and all that it's just amazing i mean gee you know oddly enough about skating i mean i knew the russians always did a certain i remember talking to igor Larionov a lot how they would do an early training on the young the young players uh, and concentrate on the lower on the core and the lower body and uh, i have a granddaughter it's a good a youth a girl player she's 12 and uh she was in that hip-hop dancing for oh, four yeah. years and now she gave up the dancing and this is the first year she's she played with the boys but now she's in a girls uh, team full girls team 12 under 12 uh 12 and under and uh she has her legs are i mean she, because of the dancing and i and i think i think that um i mean there's only been a few that I know of, that that uh, the one in Buffalo, Skinner. Um, Jeff, Jeff Skinner, Skinner was uh, he did a fi- he was figure skater, right? His mother, his mother was a yeah. teacher. Yeah, and uh, the other one that I remember, you'd remember him. I think he played out west a little more. Ulf Dolan, how he used to do that. What what do oh, they sure. call that? Uh, what do you call the that? ten? The ten and two. Yeah, but oh, is that what they? Uh, there's another name. He was too. great. Remember, he I, 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 I was in Minnesota with Elf, and he yeah. was he was so good along the boards because of that. He could wear, he could was unbelievable the way he could control things. And and nowadays a lot of them like Connor McDavid can can go side to side and cross his crossovers. He doesn't like he doesn't lose a stride. I mean, there's so many good skaters now. I mean, 
<laughs> if you're a bat skater, you don't play. We <laughs> haven't talked about uh, Bobby. I, Bobby, I, I, always, I always call two guys. I always kid them about it. Uh, Phil Esposito and Dave Andrichuk. I said, <laughs> you know, look at the goal. No, the goals that they, well, they made their their goals in front of the in front of the goal. And the other one I always recall was like sort of like them, Tim Kerr, sure. Philadelphia. Going back in history, but they 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 know how to score goals, but they they planted themselves in front of the net, and 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 that's how they scored. We I was once to say we haven't uh, we don't mention Bobby Orr very often, but you brought him up. Um, we are now of an age where we are among the few who got a chance to see this guy play. Yeah. How great was he, Scotty, in your opinion? <laughs> well, Bob, I I was a scout in eastern Canada living in Ottawa. And I, I was actually living in a boarding house because I was single. And, of course, I wasn't there very much. It was uh, right near the football stadium. And and I, I I wasn't there a lot. But guys like, oh, my God, who is it? It was Lou Bruce. It uh, was a great, great uh, football player. A lot of the Rough Riders, uh, Ronnie, Ronnie Stewart, Lou Bruce, all those guys. Gay Vaughn. They all lived at this boarding house, and I—that was where I made my headquarters. And I, and I, and the man, the man that owned it was not involved in hockey at all, but he he loved football. And I, I said, you want to come to Gananoque? It was an hour away on a Saturday in March. I said, I, and that's the first time I saw Bobby when he was thirteen. He was going to, because his birthday's in March, and it was uh, he was turning 14. And I said, Bert, his name was Bert, Bert Clark. I said, do you want to come up? And there was two players on Gananoque. And I remember their names, Doug, Doug Higgins and Ricky Eaton. I said, look at these guys. I gave them the number. Honestly, this man, Bert Clark, had never had much to do with hockey. And after five minutes, he said to me, forget about those two guys. Look at that number two. And he was yeah. small. He was five foot three. And I mean, oh, but all the Boston guys were there. Milt Schmidt, even even the owner, Weston Adams. He was third, he was gonna be 14 in a couple of weeks. And I I mean, that's the first time I saw him. And then the next time I saw him was when he was playing in Oshawa. I think he was around he, the first weekend, the first year he, he didn't leave Paris Sound. He only came down on the week because they signed him. And then once once you sign junior, you're pretty well tabbed. But then, then they were not in the uh, OHL that first year. They were in a junior, like sort of a Metro League. And then I coached junior Canadians, and he was playing in Oshawa. And, of course, we lost the playoffs, and he was a one-man. That was when he was 16. Oh, my goodness. And then, you know, oddly enough, he never won the Memorial Cup. You, you remember that, John, or not? I don't no, I didn't I, know that. I, I'm well, a little younger he, than that, Scotty. He no. played for Oshawa. And right. Pat Bems was running Boston, he, and he had come from Niagara Falls. And Bobby, Bobby uh, was trying to play in the in the Memorial Cup. They played Edmonton, and uh, he, he couldn't go. He, he had a, a kind of not a knee injury that put him out, but I think it was a terrible uh, groin injury, and he couldn't play. Uh, he couldn't play that Memorial Cup. Uh, was was that the year that Pat Quinn played for the Oil Kings? <laughs> um. 64? I'm not sure. If, I think it might have been a little bit. I'm not sure if it was a little bit different year, but Edmonton had good teams. Sather, these yeah. guys like that. They were, they were, they were. Uh, they were always close. But Bobby, Bobby was. Uh, oh my goodness! At 16, 
I mean, and then he played another year junior, and then he went to went to Boston. It was it's just a terrible thing, but we always compare to try and compare different players of different eras. Was Bobby Orr, in your opinion, the best player you ever saw? Well, he, I mean, the way we talk about him, Bob, and he played 10, he only played, didn't even play 10 full years. He played parts of, yep. parts of 10 years. But, I mean, <laughs> I, I coached against him in that famous Memorial Cup. I didn't coach against him, but against uh, uh, St. Louis, against Boston. I mean, he was so good that, I mean, I, I even put a, I put Jimmy Roberts, who was a pretty good defensive player. We had no chance to win the series, but the first two games, I think they were in, yeah, they were in St. Louis. And I had Jimmy, no matter who had the puck, he had to stay near Bobby Orr. Sometimes he had a hard time because he'd be down standing beside Orr, but we couldn't stop him. I mean, he... he nobody was, could. Nobody could. No, he, I mean, he just could accelerate better than I've ever, I mean... McDavid is like that kind of acceleration. He sort just of. left him. Yeah, yeah. He, he left him behind. He left him behind, and he would he would get the puck and circle behind the net and come up around again, and and everybody backed off. And uh, oh my goodness, what a what a player! He was. Well, that uh, was he, also everybody that knows was also, he was a defenseman. I often wondered, with the number of points that he wound up getting. Yeah. Why nobody tried moving him out to a wing? It did in training camp with Boston. They trained in London. Did and they? they? Yeah, they. In fact, I think Bob, he probably had the odd shift, but I mean, he he was so valuable on defense that he could. I know. Play I understand. He could play time wise. Bobby didn't have to go up and down every every shift. So, um, I mean, he. I I in those days. Like we had, we had five defensemen dressed and four played all the time. The fifth defenseman could play a bit, but only if you got one of the four defensemen had a, a penalty, or or you know if he it was a specialist. But you played only so everybody's playing thirty plus minutes. Right. I would say Bobby Bobby probably had forty minutes, maybe you know. Maybe. And then and and Phil Phil Esposito would say that, and and, and I remember coaching in Montreal against uh, Bobby when he was in Boston after I got there in 71. And I mean, we, a couple of times we'd have a lead in the third period and I would be looking at, looking at the lineup. And I was, I was, cause it was, they were playing three lines and only two sets of defensemen. So when Orr was with Esposito, you, you're in a lot of trouble. You're not in as much trouble when Phil, cause Phil could really score. And I mean, it was, it was, uh, it's amazing how he dominated our game. I mean, you know, I, I, they should the, the Boston Bruin fans they should have won more cups, Bob. I mean, yes, you know, they don't. Our... I think they should have. We know they should have won in '71. They won in '70, and they yeah. and they probably sh should have won in '71 when Ken Dryden had that big series. Of Montreal was a, that was a big upset. And 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 then in seventy two they won again, and I don't even know. But after that is when his knees started to bother him. Right. Well, they, they, they you won in seventy three, and then Boston played Philadelphia in seventy four, and they should have beaten Philadelphia. Yeah, they they were they were they were, they were Philadelphia did a hang of a job against Boston. You're right; they were the one team that could because Boston 
you know, they, they were, I mean, the, the, the Broadway bullies, but the big bad Bruins were just right there, the same kind. But the, the, the Philadelphia, you're right. They, I don't know. I think they, they, they had, uh, well, Bobby Clark was in this. He had a hang of a series against Boston. Yeah. Oh, I well, that overtime goal in the first game. That was the, uh, yes. that was that, 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 that changed the whole tone of the, uh, of the series. You mentioned somebody earlier that was the other, the other great skater, the other defenseman, a great skater was Paul Coffey, oh, who yeah. you had in Detroit. And, and Pittsburgh. If I, if I, if I had told you, Scotty, we were sitting there, you know, at, at, yeah. at the Pontchartrain hotel, having a diet Coke uh, <laughs> saying, okay, Scotty, 20 years from now, 30 years from now, yeah. Paul Coffey is going to be a coach in the national hockey league behind the bench. Would you have believed me? Uh, not really. Uh, Paul was such an offensive defenseman, but I mean, the team was that way inclined. So, you know, he didn't, he didn't have to play much defense, but I, I think um, he probably, he's had a good influence. I, I think he's had a good influence on, on uh, Edmonton, much similar. I had Doug Harvey when he was just about out of the, out of the picture, he was 80, 43 and their, their philosophy about making plays with the puck. It, it, it doesn't fit every player, but that's that's what it seems Paul has gone to Edmonton. Instead of just clearing the puck all the time, he, he, he would be, I mean, he was good enough that his possession game was his game. He wasn't right. a defender. He, he, very similar to the philosophy when the Russians first started playing us, they, they, they couldn't check or play defense, but that, their game was the puck. And right. and Paul, I think that what he's kind of, it, it's I know the Edmonton's playing a different kind of game, but they're not clearing pucks, they're not they're not taking chances, but they're making plays. And so I, I know my answer would be, I didn't know if he could ever transfer that into coaching, yeah, the way he played. That's the way he played. Yeah, but you 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 would there was never those discussions in your office about tactics and and things like that with Paul that you'd say, well, there's, you know, there's a spark there. No, I mean, you know, everybody was, we were always trying to get it. Well, he left Edmonton. We know in Edmonton what he did, uh, but you know, it, it, and actually by the time he got to us, everybody was trying to get him to play defense. <laughs> it didn't work. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the other the other thing you 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 talked about with Orr, you know, and and I, I know in Wayne and Wayne and Mark Messier's early days at Edmonton, the the thought of a three minute shift was normal. Yeah. But now, if you if if you go to the time on ice charts and you get a player over a minute, the coaches are the coaches are rolling their eyes and throwing things at the at the at the whiteboard. Yeah, the pace of the game. Definitely, like you said, the continued pace. In fact, I watched a, a really good game prior to that Edmonton game last night. It was a playoff game, uh, Tampa and Boston. It was really a playoff game. And uh, they, they got into the overtime, as you know, and then a shootout. And uh, Hedman's a horse. He, he played the first 137 three-on-three. I mean, they don't have a lot of, you know, they don't have a lot of other defensemen now that they want to put on the ice. I mean, you know, you, I guess in three on three, one thing for some reason, a lot of teams don't put three forwards on. They'll always like to have one, one secure defenseman, you know, 
but Boston will put McAvoy tight and Hedman, but he was 137. The first minute and 37 seconds, but he 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 seemed to be able to, you know, for a big man, he, he's got a lot of stamina and he and he does play a lot of minutes, of course. And and that, that's what happened, but not there's not many that can go past a minute. You're right. But you were the you were one of the first guys I remember behind the bench to sit there with a stopwatch. You were all, you always had a stopwatch going. And you were you were probably bugging me about the length of commercials, but that's another story for another. But but you were you were you were hard on your guys about shift lengths, weren't you? Well, I, yeah, we used to practice. We practiced a lot. I I I don't know if I saw them do it maybe when I was watching Montreal practice, but um I I used to practice line changes. And 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 I I had a I had a football I had a football horn because I didn't want to stop play with a whistle, and I had the horn I had it on my on my wrist, and and there was two teams and and if I blew the if I blew the horn the one blow that was safer say it was in Detroit red and white so that was for the red team that I'm you're getting a, every all five guys I'm warning you you're all getting tired. So you, the next moment that you get an opportunity other than a scoring chance, you got to start moving to the bench and you can't move five. You got to get two and then maybe three and stuff like that. And then I would have, I blow it twice for the other team. And that was just a warning, but I would blow it at intervals, sometimes 25 seconds. I wanted to see how they would get off the ice. Cause I thought in those days, John, the most important Bob, that that if you got fresh guys on the ice, you, you, tired players make mistakes. Now that's gone by the wayside now because you know you you'd be changing the, the player shifts are so much shorter that you'd be you you wouldn't have much of a hockey game going for your own team because you, you can't be coming off all the time. I mean they come off quick anyway. So so I don't want to you know I, I'm amazed though that and you know too from watching. Players now don't, there's no uh, semblance that if you have the puck, you come off. You don't care. You right. come off, you know, you just come off. And, and sometimes you only have four on the ice, but that's the way the game's played. Do you uh, think that the shifts are are uh, too short right now in the end of NHL? Uh, I, I think for not if you're playing a high tempo game, uh, there, there's, there's a few, there's, I mean, they're, they're all pretty good skaters, but there's a few that could take the well conditioning. I mean, they're all in great shape, but they could take a few more seconds. But uh, I think in a, I, I think in a, uh, when the game is high paced, boy, the the line changes. I mean, you know, well, they're uh, fast, but they're are they fast because coaches want them fast? Uh, are they necessary? Well, that's a good point. I think the coaches stress. Yes, we want, we want to, we want to make sure that we're we're not tired. And and I mean, they don't get as tired as our guys used to. That's for sure. These guys are just like racehorses. They're so conditioned. But yeah, I I think that that you know maybe for for sometimes if you stay on too long, uh, and the other team, I mean, like sometimes you know, there's a lot of times the teams both kind of accept my third line is going against your third line. So, or fourth line even. And and that, that happens a lot in the game now. It's not, they don't change on the fly, but they start with whistles and it's more or less in the, like, you know, we're going to play this guy, you play that guy. But then if you stay on too long, 
you could get trapped up in a in a in a matchup that hurts a lot because you the other team could put that you know when you I mean every t- game's different but if you're playing against Edmonton is the best example and you're playing against McDavid you got to be really careful who, to me you got to have the right defenseman on for sure right yeah well but when you were in Montreal and you had the big three you weren't telling Serge or D or Larry when to come off, were you? They were they were they were on their own uh, their own schedule, weren't they? Exactly. And the the famous game in Boston or in Montreal, rather, when we when we uh, got that overtime goal, uh, we tied the game with Lafleur when they had too many men on the ice. But right. in that game, there, uh, Guy Lapointe got hurt with about ten minutes to go in the in the third period. And uh, you're right, we played those guys 35 40 minutes a game and then when he got hurt we got into overtime i remember i had a very good assistant at the time he's a wonderful man the late claude ruel and 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 claude in his in his broken english he said to me in the in the resume what do we do now like in other words with the defense because we're going into overtime i said claude we're we're going to start robinson and savard he said well well, what do you mean? Who's next? No, I said, one of them has to stay on for a little bit longer. And then I said, I want, I want to, I said, I want one of them on the ice all the time. Is it going to get tired? We had a little discussion. I said, well, but I said, we got to do it. I said, if we're going to go down in this, because we had won three cups in a row, I want to go down with my best. I didn't want to put somebody out there. We had guys like, we had Rod Langway as a rookie. And I mean, you know, it's in the, this is like life and death. You got to win that last game. And anyways, uh, I said, we're going to roll the dice. And lucky, we only played 10 minutes. But Robinson or Savard was on the ice, at least one of them. And I, I don't think they went, after I started the overtime, maybe only only once other time, one other time. But I mean, you have to, I just felt at that time, if we're going to go, if we're going to go win or lose, it's going to be our top guys. Where was Scotty Bowman, Bob McCowan, John Shannon on the podcast back after this. Welcome back. Scotty Bowman's in Florida, enjoying the rain, the sun, the clouds. No necessarily. The, <laughs> and, 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 he, and believe it or not, Scotty's, Scotty's become a Floridian too. He's starting to complain about the 60 degree weather. So it's. Uh... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey, uh, Scotty, this Saturday uh, in Pittsburgh, they are going to finally retire Yarmer Yager's number 68. You, uh, I still remember to this day, I was thinking about this driving in this morning. Uh, the draft was in Vancouver mm-hmm. and you were working for Craig Patrick and the Penguins at the time. And I was standing at the fence between the media and where the draft tables were. And you were, you skipped over to the fence uh, and with uh, three or four of us standing there. And you said, we got Yarmer Yager. You were convinced this guy was going to be a star when he was 18 years old, weren't you? Well, a lot of the credit in that instance, yes. We we were fortunate. You're right. It was a fifth pick overall. He was playing against men. But Bob Johnson, that uh, world championship at, by the late Bob Johnson, had gone over. So he played for the national team for, the, for, for Czechoslovakia at that time. And and, you know, but just watching him play, uh, I forget what I'd say. I, I was not doing any coaching at that time. I, w- I did go to a different tournaments, 
but the the the, the really the guy that clinched everything was was the, like we you know Bob Johnson saw him play in in the World Championship as a as a boy playing against the men, and I mean right. I think we were you're you're right right from the get go. I, I think everybody in Pittsburgh thought he's going to be the, the best player. And then he slipped. Was it number five he slipped to, I think? I think so. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Because there was Keith. I know there was Keith Primo was Detroit, number three. Who who else was Lindros? Well, didn't Pete, wasn't that Peter Nedved's draft? Didn't Vancouver take Peter Nedved? Oh, yeah. It wasn't Lindros, was it? No, no, no. No, 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 no. No, Because no. Lind, Lindros that, oh. was the year before. You know, he was drafted in... Uh, he was drafted in nine in uh, in uh, ninety. Yeah. Right. Well, I'm gonna go. I'll check it here. But uh, wasn't it was that uh, uh, Owen Nolan's draft? No. I'm not sure. I, mean, I got it right here. Yeah, Owen Nolan, Peter Nedved, Keith Primo, Mike Ricci, Yammer Yager. Pretty good players, but <laughs> yeah, Yager was he was something. But, yeah, you're right. What, he was. What was I'll he like? I'll never forget coach? that day. I was sitting with my. Uh, Four-year-old daughter, wow. who of course knew nothing about hockey, <laughs> and uh, looking at the TV, and she was learning to read, and she saw the name Yarmir Yager on TV and said, "Hey, Dad, it's Jeremiah Jaguar." <laughs> and for his entire life, his entire career yeah. in my family, he's been Jeremiah Jaguar. It, it, it wasn't easy, right? It was not an easy name to pick up in those days. Yarmir Yager, you're right. Yeah. Everybody kind of said Jagger, and you're right, all those guys. But yeah, that's he. He was uh, he was right from a place called Cladno, which is right yep. not far from uh, the, the from Prague, maybe 20, 20, 20 minutes from Prague. And uh, yeah, he he was uh, some player. I mean, and you know, the first year Bob had him, he was so young. And then we had a good team. Of course, we won the cup. And then the next year, but the 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 player that really, Yarmir was was very shy. He didn't have the, the language. He couldn't speak English. But I I I I mean, he was a little bit a little bit uh, sort of away from everybody. But the player on the team that really took him under his wing, and I think it, it people would tell you even to today it was Brian Trottier. Brian, we had got Brian from the Islanders. He had a kind of a breakup with the Islanders. He was not not happy at all. Uh, Pat Lafontaine had come in, and he was going to be the big star. And Brian was a competitor, and I, I think there was a big issue with Brian and 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 the Islanders with that with all of them. But he came to us, and he was a godsend. I mean, he we had well, we ended up with Mario and Ron Francis, and Brian fit in the third role perfect. But he took the armor under his wing, and I know I know Bob Johnson was very appreciative, and I was even more, because I was only going to be a pinch hitting coach that year, and I, I didn't uh, I didn't have much to do with Yarmory because Brian would anytime we wanted to do something we went to Brian. He couldn't speak Czech, but somehow he had a relationship, and uh, and that was I always remember Brian Trotsky for the contribution he did with with the Yarmir. He was a bit moody. Did you, ever, did, did you get a, a sense, Scotty, with, with him? Did, the thing with Yager was that um, yeah. he was aloof. He was aloof a lot. We um, thought he was, yeah, we, we thought he was moody. <laughs> yeah. 
So. Okay. Did you get a sense, and, and this is not a criticism, but I, I I was around that team a lot, as you well know, and I was doing hockey night when he was all over the NHL and Washington, the Rangers. and as, um, Did he love the game? And he obviously loved the game because when you consider he played it until he was like 47, he must have loved it. Well, he played it until last year, didn't he, in Czechoslovakia? He's still playing now. There you go. Czech Republic, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he can't. He's but, not, I don't know what. But that was, that was always I wondered. Like for instance, when when he played for the Rangers, he didn't he didn't like shootouts, so he wouldn't he would tell the coach I didn't want to participate in shootouts. He, well, so I I always thought that he with, with his lack of command of the English language, but you hit the nail on the head. He was very shy. He was very introvert, and 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 as a coach, and he was young too. And you were always reluctant when you started to explain things to him. If he, if you didn't know if he didn't understand it or if he he wasn't happy that you were telling him, so that's what I did. I know Bob did a lot of the same. He's the one that started it. With with somehow he Bob knew Trotsier and uh, more than I did when I first started. I mean only as an opponent, but Bob started it and then I car carried it on. And, and when I wanted to, you know, I, I didn't I didn't feel comfortable, honestly. I didn't want to go X's and O's and all that stuff. But I had him in the second year, of course. But you, that's the way you, you were right. He, he he appeared to be, if you had to think at the time, say, why is he so moody? But it was a lot of it was the fact that he wasn't sure of, of speaking. And he and he wasn't a loud person. He wasn't a guy that, you know, like, you know he wasn't going to, he was young and and pretty well in awe when you when you're on a team with 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 you know pretty illustrious players like Stevens and Francis and Joey Mullen and 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 Mario you know and and let's face it everybody knows Mario was a, was a superstar and it, it must have been a you know he had to find his niche right there that that's what he did you know and yet I would have said that that the Stanley Cup final that you played against Chicago you swept, you swept the Blackhawks. Uh, Mario won the Conn Smythe. I would have told you that Yager should have won the Conn Smythe that, that series. I thought he was, I thought he was unbelievable, particularly the first two games in Pittsburgh, Scotty. Oh yeah. He, he tied the game. He came out of the corner. Uh, right. They had a four, one lead. You're right. Chicago, Chicago was a great team. I mean, they won 11 in a row and uh, he came out, he made the, he changed the whole series at the, by winning the first game. But in the, in the fourth game, in 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 uh, the well the, the third game was one nothing Barrasso stole that game, and then in the fourth game in in Chicago, it was a high scoring game and it ended up I think uh, six to five but it was four 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 I rem or I do remember something because they took out Ed Balfour and put right. in Hoshek and in the middle of the second I think and Yager was on the bench and he was pretty by that time you know he was an established player. And he was warning the players between the periods, don't we got to win this game? Everybody was going, what do you mean? We're up three nothing in the series. He said, don't take it. We can't take a chance on this guy. He's a he's a world class goalie. Nobody knew at that time that he was, but he went in, and he started making saves in the third period. We were really dominant. Mario had a breakaway. Stevens was in, and then we did get a goal. I think Francis got the. the the important goal put us ahead and Mario Mario uh, maybe I'm going to say eight nine seven minutes left 
Mario took the puck and he and he started to go and rag it and he went behind the net and back out and kept it. The next shift, Yarmer came on and did the same thing. The same <laughs> thing. Like he just, you know, you're right. He he could have been the uh, all of he could have been the uh, most valuable player, but no, that he did warn that. I mean, he was pretty talkative at that time. I remember him saying to the guys, "I know this guy, Hashek. I mean, he had a big reputation coming from the Czech Republic, but didn't he start in the minors with Chicago and all that stuff?" I well, well, and of course, Mike Mike was coaching, so you, you, if you if you had a bad six minutes, you were pulled, right? And don't forget, <laughs> Belfer was not easy to handle either. Eddie Belfer was right. a competitor. He didn't want to give up that net, and and I mean that finally in the fourth game they did take him out. Yeah, no, I mean, it was. I, I I remember that game like the back of my hand just because when you ha- and and by the way, Bob, you talk about the uh, Jeremiah Jaguar thing. Anybody in Pittsburgh would look at Yarmer Yager's first name and said it's Mario Junior. They that was they had giant posters at the old igloo saying it's it's Mario and Mario Junior. If you take Yarmer Yarmer's first name. <laughs> They and you reorganize them. It's Mario Jr. It was amazing. Yeah, gee, well, yeah, it's good that they're retiring him. I mean, he he played ten years. I th- I was looking up his record. He played till around ninety nine, so he had nine or ten seasons there, and then I, I, everybody had gone by then. And then he he moved around from there and went to the where did he go? Did he go? Did he go to Rangers first or Washington? Washington. Remember, he signed that giant deal with Washington. Remember, ten million dollars. Okay. Wow. It was when it was before a salary cap. He, he and Paul Correa were the two contracts. I think that Gary said we 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 have to have a salary cap. We're spending too much money. <laughs> I didn't know that. Oh my god! Hey, hey, what do you uh, what do you make of Phil Kessel coming back? I mean, he's 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 in, in uh, Abbotsford, in where uh, the uh, Canucks farm team is. He and Tockett have a relationship from their days back in Pittsburgh. Sure. Yeah. Phil Kessel, at his age, do you think he can help a hockey team? You know, when you think about him, like he's 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 a he's a he's a pure sniper. He hasn't played for a while, and I mean, I'm I'm sure he'd he'd do anything to get another another kick at the can. So, yeah, I mean, uh, Tockett knows. I mean, he's he's looking at him. Uh, I think it's an easy gamble. I mean. Edmonton, it's a bit of a Edmonton's done pretty well on on Evander Kane, and they've done now. Now they they're probably going to do as well with the Perry, you know. Right. And I mean, I, I think I think when you take chances like that, and and what what is it? What is what is it? It's not much of a chance when you think of it. You're not bumping anybody. You know, he's got to prove himself. I mean, he's got to prove himself. But he's he he can put the puck in the net, and that's a that's a skill that a lot of guys, whether he can still do it. But I think Vancouver, they, they look at their team and, and you know, when you, when you get back, like the, the ones, the reason they're playing well now is, is, is they got guys like they've already resurrected Garland and Bluger and this Joshua. I mean, these are players that a lot of teams wondered, who are these guys? So, uh, you know, I mean, they got a good, a good, they've got a good nucleus of a team. I mean, I think a lot will depend on their, on their defense core, but, you know they got a good great goalie and 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 they and you know they're they they seem to have that winning culture now you know there are very few teams that have goal scorers on the third and fourth line that's yeah. true right so if Kessel would play on the third or fourth line somewhere 
and could score 10 or 15 goals a year, that would be better than anybody else they could get, don't you think? Yeah, they can get on the power play too. Right. I mean, they got, you, you know, you just you can't just live on one power play. So I think they got room. Those those other players, you're maybe not looking at them as power play players. They're they're more grinders, and you know you'll have the advantage of having a man advantage when you or two on the power play. So I I think it's an easy gamble for him. I mean, yeah. he's not. I don't think he's gonna. This is gonna be a blessing. I mean, he sat out. I mean, you know, it could be a lucky charm when you think about it. He won in Pittsburgh, and then he goes to Vegas, and they win. You know, right. I mean, <laughs> well, one of the one of the underestimated and underutilized aspects of his game is Scotty, and and you would have seen this. He's one of the great passers the game has ever seen. This yeah, guy can yeah. move. It, it, you're right about his shot. He's a goal scorer, but he has tremendous vision, and he can and he really pass the puck well. That's a, that's a real art, isn't it? Sure. I mean, he's he, these kind of players like that. And, and the one the one that comes to my mind, and he's had a wonderful career, and he's still going to do it, uh, is Patrick Kane. They're not big sure. guys. They're not big guys. They see the ice. They see the ice, and uh, you know you don't know what the next play is going to be. And uh, I mean that, that's what's going to happen. I mean, so you know uh, Kane played all along. He did, of course, he had surgery. That's a bit of a gamble. But I, I think I always compared Kessel and Kane. Kane course rose ahead of him uh, but he came out of he came out of uh, his college hockey with a big reputation what, what what number was he drafted john i think he was 13th overall he dropped or didn't he drop a lot for boston oh i don't know oh, i thought he was i thought he was oh, maybe he was sick well let's let I'll, I'll do i'll do that too so i, I but i he, he he dropped because there was a point in that draft year that everybody thought he would be number one right yeah that's what I was thinking about. Yeah, but maybe you're right. Okay, so he was. He was. Uh, he was. I apologize. He was the fifth overall pick by the Bruins in 2006. So I mean, five. So there's Yager at five and Kessel at five. That's high. I mean, yeah, you know, and uh, so uh, good luck to him. I mean, and uh, Tockett was a big. He made a big difference to our team when we made that trade. That was a, a trade. That was these were tough trades. Like the second trade. The first, the first trade, getting getting uh, Francis and Samuelson was a bonanza, but the right. second trade, we traded our leading scorer, Mark Recchi. That was, I mean, you think about the second trade, to to uh, to to uh, you know to to get Talkett, Really, we we traded Coffee too. Coffee went to yeah. Los Angeles and Recchi went to Philly, and we ended up getting, uh, we got we got. Um, uh, the defenseman Shell Samuelson, who fit in really good. He was a, a big, strong guy, a uh, bit of a temperamental guy, but he played real hard. We got a backup goalie in in uh, Reggett, but we really got a player in Tockett that we didn't have. Uh, even in Detroit, when we made the trade, it was a tough trade. Eh? We traded Keith Primo, and uh, you know, Brendan, right? We didn't want. We got Shanahan. Yeah, that yeah. that. I mean, Shanahan came in and 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 provided us with a lot of different things we didn't have, and I think that's what Talkett. Talkett came in to our team. We didn't have that kind of a player that would take no prisoners. Kind of he and he had a, he had a scoring touch. Rick Rick went moved right in, and I I think he made fellas like Mario and all these other guys 
I mean, not that they it made them very comfortable because, you know, Tockett made his reputation as a, as a guy that came into the league and he had to fight his way in, really. I mean, Rick ended up being a, a, a goal scorer, too. So, uh, you know, he was a he was a really good team player. I'm, I'm, I'm happy that he was able to, you know, he did a good job. And I don't know what happened in Pittsburgh. I have no idea. With all, I mean, they, you know, like Pittsburgh, Mike Sullivan's a, a great coach. And he, and he, and he, and you know, he had Talkett and he had Rick Martin, or not Rick Martin, uh, Jock Martin. I yeah. mean, they, these guys are pretty, you know, they've been around. And didn't he have Gonchar too? Yeah. And I, well, yeah. Sergey went with Rick to uh, Vancouver, right? Yeah. Wow. So, hey, <laughs> um, before we let you go, um, one of the reasons when I said you to remind you to come on was, uh, our mutual friend John Kelly tweeted out on the weekend that it's uh, been 35 years since his dad passed away. Wow! The great, the great Dan Kelly. Yeah. Um, right. And you were, in many ways, you were responsible for getting Dan to St. Louis, if I recall, yeah. with the conversation yeah, you had with the owner Sid Solomon. Well, he and then Dan that. became, to me, Dan is the greatest ambassador of hockey on television the United States ever had. Well, Mr. Solomon, the father that didn't didn't get involved very much, but he did after the first year, Johnny was tired of, I mean, we were on a big station, KMOX, and yep. he was good friends with the the guy that ran the, Bob something, it was a big guy. Bob Highland. Bob, Bob Highland, yeah. Yeah, and they were good friends. And, but we, Jack Buck was trying hockey. Uh, we had another fellow named Jay Randolph. We, we, we didn't have an announcer, but, but, uh, Sid Solomon Jr. was a very minority uh, baseball guy with the Browns. He, he owned a little part of the Browns back in the late 30s, so or 20s maybe even when it was. So uh, Mr. Solomon believed that you should have an announcer that goes with your with your with the team, not just. And we had the best station, but we didn't have any one one because Jack Buck was doing baseball. That was his big sport, and then he's doing football. So. The guy they really wanted was Bob Chase, and I knew I got to know Bob Chase later. Bob Chase was Bob in, Chase was in Fort Wayne, Indiana, and everybody in North America could get that station, Wowo or something. I don't w -O -W -O, know. Wowo, that's right. Yeah, is that right? So, <laughs> yep. Bob Chase told me the story. So he heard Mr. Solomon heard about Bob Chase. Everybody knew about him, and Fort Wayne was a popular minor league team. And Bob Chase was supposed to go into St. Louis for an interview. And all of a sudden, there was a big basketball tournament in Fort Wayne, where he was where he was doing the games. He was, so he couldn't go. He he had to postpone the the visit. And and then Mr. Solomon came to me. I remember, and he said, "Who's the best play-by-play -play man in the United States? I mean, in in the NHL?" I said, "Well, you know, Foster Hewitt." But I said, "You know, he's uh, he's on." Uh, I said, "Well, I'm a little prejudiced too. I said, I'm from Montreal." A really good one now is Danny. Top one is Danny Gallivan. And he said, do you know him? I said, sure. I was in Montreal. I worked for them from 56 to 66. Get me his phone number. I don't know if you know the story. So he calls calls Danny Gallivan up. And uh, Danny had gone in Montreal in, I think, 1952. Now we're talking 1968. And Danny had done the finals in 67 that we when we played Montreal. So he knew all about St. Louis. And he was a wonderful man. So Mr. Solomon said to him, how much, what, what kind of money do you make? 
And he said, I think he said, whatever, I'm doing this and that, 15,000. He said, oh, he said, I'm going to pay you 30. And this is quite a story. He told me later when he wanted, he really was impressed with him. And and Danny says, oh, you know, he said, you know, Mr. Solomon, I really appreciate it. But he said, I got, I got my family in high school. I've been here 15 years. I, I'm really, you know, thank you, but no thank you. Okay, who, who would you recommend? And Danny played it on the fence. He said, well, there's so many good announcers. He said, I, I, I really don't. I mean, but he said, I'll tell you what, there is a man in Ottawa who comes down and does hosting with us, but he's a, he's a play-by-play, Dan Kelly. He said, in fact, Scotty would know him because Scotty was in Ottawa with the juniors and Dan was doing games. So, okay, Mr. Solomon said, get me Dan Kelly. Get me, you know him? I said, sure, I hang around with him in the summer. I know his family. He's he's married with a two. I, I said, I'm single. So he said, get me his phone number. Calls Dan Kelly up. Same thing again. How much do you make? He said, 7,500. Oh, he said, this is 15,000, this job. And Dan's wife, uh, Fran Gallo, her parents owned a bakery in Ottawa. And he had two or, two or three real small ones, small kids. So... Dan said to him, well, let me talk it over with my wife. And, and Mr. Solomon was really impressed with the interview. And he, he was anxious. This is like a Monday or a Tuesday. So he said, I need, I need to know very shortly. So uh, he said, call me by Wednesday or Thursday. So he didn't hear from him. And, and Mr. Solomon grabbed me and he said, you know, you Canadians, I can't. He referred to most as Canadian, knew I was Canadian. He said, you guys cannot make up your mind. I really want that guy. Get him on the phone. I phoned Dan again. I said, Dan, I'm calling on Mr. Saw. How are you doing? Oh, he said, by the way, I'm I'm uh, I took the job in St. Louis. I said, Well, you know, the owner's waiting for you to call him. So he said, Yeah, I'm gonna call him tomorrow. We just got some ends, loose ends to finish off, but I'm really excited. So casually, casually said, he said, Scotty, are there any good Chinese restaurants in St. Louis? <laughs> Johnny Food Restaurant. I said, I don't know. I said, by that time, I'm doing both jobs. I said, Dan, I don't, I can't get around much. I said, I'm so busy. I'm sure there is. I get off the phone. Mr. Solomon's all nervous. I had to go upstairs. How did it go? I said, no, he's coming. I said, he's coming. He's, he said he would, he, he'll be going to call you tomorrow morning. And uh, what, what else did he say? I said, well, Mr. Solomon, good naturedly said to me, ask me if it's any good Chinese restaurant. He said, call him back. Call him back and tell him if there isn't a good Chinese restaurant, I'll build him one. Oh, true story. <laughs> I said, no, no, it's a joke. I said, he, imagine, well, you know Dan after oh. games. <laughs> so that's the story of Dan Kelly and the rest is oh. history. Didn't he do, well, didn't he do football too, Dan? Sure. He sure did. He did uh, He did Cardinals football. He did CBS football. He called uh, Bob. He, he, okay, he called the Grey Cup uh, for on on uh, CTV and CBC. Yeah, he did. Dan Dan was of a vintage. He could do anything, right? He could do anything. <laughs> did I you know, ever so know his I, brother? I met Hal once. You know what? He, you know how Hal, he of course. Hal was the was the radio and TV voice for the Montreal Expos for years, right? But he started with Joe Crisdale in Toronto, doing right. broadcasts of the Maple Leaf. Uh, that was the name of the team in the AAA, and remotely. They yeah, were, they, they did the, the recreations. And, they did the recreations, yes. right? Wow. You ever hear about the Joe Crisdale? Oh, sure. I worked oh, with sure. Joe Crisdale. Yeah. 
Well, they did, Bob, you would know, they did baseball remotely and they had a way to, uh, the crack of the bat and all that. He told me, oh, yeah. well, well, uh, 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 Dan Kelly's brother, um, what was his first name again? Was Hal. It again? Hal. Hal. He's the one that got him into broadcasting. Yeah. His brother. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. Dan. Listen, Hal was a legend. I remember and, as, as a kid watching, and Bob would remember this, Hal Kelly used to host CBC's NFL football on yeah, Sunday. Yes, right. Yeah, so he would, Hal Kelly was, you know, and, and that, and then, but Dan to me, and of course you and I, I, I got to know you through Dan yeah. first. Yeah, he was, and he was he just was a, uh, yeah. a great man. He, he died well, far yeah. too young, 52 years old, Scotty. He died at 52. I know, I know. Just, his just his uh, daughter lives in, he's got a daughter that lives in Sarasota. In fact, uh, she every year she comes down, or his, uh, Fran comes down, his, his wife, and yeah. we just had lunch about a month ago. My wife and I met uh, is, is met Fran again, and uh, she's still still a hockey fan. The Blues the Blues have given her tickets two tickets every game, wow. and she's still and, and it's a wonderful family. Yeah. Okay. Well, of course, John is now the uh, he replaced his father in the end as uh, the play by play voice of the St. Louis Blues. Hey, Scotty, we've kept you too long. Thanks for this. Uh, Here we go. Bob, thanks, Scotty. Great Bob, seeing you. I wish I could see you in the, in the Dunedin, but I don't know if you'll get there. Not this year, I don't think. Okay, good luck. Thanks. Sorry. Not warm enough. It's, it's not warm enough for him, Scotty. Scotty, uh, be you'll warm. be there. Okay, bye for now. Bye. <laughs> bye, bye. See you later. Yeah, thank you. That's Scotty Bowman. Bob and I'll be back after this. Welcome back. Hey, Bob. So tonight is the return of Pascal Siakam to Toronto. Um, yeah, I, I unfortunately, was the Toronto Raptors stink. So well, who cares? Who cares? So you only watch for the home team? Um, pretty much. I mean, I've seen enough Siakam games. You know, he's not a big attraction to me. Although he's a great guy, I like him a lot, and I wish he was still in Toronto. But put put on your memory cap. Of, of so this team came in 1995. Where would you rank Siakam's popularity amongst the fan base of anybody who's ever played here? Well, it's not a question. What are you asking? Like, how much do they like him? Well, like, I mean, when you compare him to what Vince was, when you compare him to Jerome, jump. But are you talking about the talent or what? No, I'm talking about popularity. How, you know, fans fans don't judge, they just whether they like players or not. Well, Siakam was certainly top 10. Maybe top five. Yeah, I was thinking top five. I, I really, I was thinking that when, when, so the, 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 I mean, he'll get a standing ovation tonight. Oh, sure. I, he better. Yeah, I, I think so too. Uh, it, it, and I, he, I, he's one of those guys that I think he loved his time here, but probably knew his time was done, which made it well, easy for them to move on. Maybe only because of the salary situation. They would have to pay him a lot of money to stay here. And this team isn't good enough for Siakam to be a big contributor, too. Don't you think? I, I, I think you're right when you, when, well, now we obviously believe that they're in a massive rebuild, right? And right. You, do, you pay, do you pay somebody a quarter of a billion dollars to hang around for five years in a rebuild? And the answer well, is they, it doesn't make any sense. 
Well, I think that's true, I guess, except um, he was a really good player for a lot of years. Maybe you reward him for that. Wow. Maybe you do. Do I get a sense of, like, softness in Bob McCowan about giving people lots of money? It's honesty. Yeah. I don't don't think there's loyalty like that in any sport anymore. Do you? No, I don't. I don't. Well, not really, but you never know. There have probably right. been the odd contracts like that that have been dished out. Whether they've worked not out many, or though. not. Not many, though. Maybe. No. All right, Robert. Something different tomorrow. Throw a curveball. Okay. We'll see. I'll All see right. you then. Yes, sir. All Bob right. McCowan, John Shannon. Thanks for listening or watching the McCowan Podcast.